0: Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die Podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same.
1: That is very true, and that's me. Uh, Grumpy,
0: uh, another loss for the Islanders, uh, four in a row, uh, not playing great hockey again. We lost to the Montreal Canadiens, which was a game that was really a must-win.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, and it wasn't that just that we lost. I mean, they carried the play to us. I mean, we didn't play. I, okay. I know we're going to deep dive into it, but we just seem like a tired team right now. I think, you know, uh, the fact that Barry Trotz is, for the most part, just been running with nine forwards and four defensemen for the majority of the time is kind of catching up with the guys. Um, I mean, and once again, what's the one thing Montreal does really well? They can skate. Teams that skate give us problems, even if they're not really good teams. And they earned it last night. They were the better team. I I just don't like the way we're playing right now. We're getting beaten. But the worst thing is we're getting dominated on the ice. And that's just, uh, that's not good news for us. I mean, we have to, you know, we got to scrape and claw for everything that we get. And if, you know, we're giving up three goals in the first period, uh, two goals in the first period against Boston, we're in trouble.
0: Yeah, well, we lost that game, just to provide a little context, to uh, the Montreal Canadiens 6-2. to um, And, yikes, It you talked about it and you mentioned it. We were effectively been playing with, you know, nine forwards, uh, maybe ten forwards at times, and five defensemen. Right. We're addressing the fact that since Adam Pellick went out with injury, they were really short shifting um, no in every single time he played. You know, uh, roughly, I don't know how many minutes exactly he was averaging, what the updated numbers were, but he was playing anywhere from 10 tops to 14 minutes a night. And if you want to go ahead and keep your, your defenseman, especially some older defensemen that we have on our team, like a Johnny Boychuk with fresh legs, you have to go ahead and make sure that you don't go ahead and overload his body. Um, And and they saw the same exact thing in the forward groupings as well. When guys like Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows got their chances up there in the NHL and Otto Koivla, they're all playing nine minutes a night. And this is coming from a system and a head coach where he consistently rolls all four lines. So when players are used to and accustomed to playing mm, on average probably like 15, 16, maybe sometimes 17 minutes a night – Now you're introducing a younger cast and crew uh, and players that should have uh, probably more energy and jump to their game because they are younger, and you're only playing them nine minutes a night, and you're overloading some of the older guys on the team. It just doesn't bode well for long-term success. We talked about this on our podcast, Grumpy Old Man. I want to say two months ago we talked about what were the adverse effects going to be to continuing to play younger players' sheltered minutes. And everybody out there on Facebook, Twitter, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm listening to our Stanley Cup coach, Barry Trotz. He knows better than you. You know nothing, blah, blah, blah. Again, water off the duck's back. But we're seeing right here the adverse effects of it. Our team looks dead tired. And I, don't, I try not to make excuses. Injuries, tiredness, whatever. I don't make excuses. But we're seeing that was a self-inflicted wound we're, we're witnessing right here, guys.
1: Well, I think one other thing that, you know, you failed to mention Johnny Boychuk's numbers went down. His uh, minutes played per game went down also significantly when Pellick went out. He's only been playing like between you know maybe fourteen minutes a game. So his numbers were down too. He's only been riding four defense pairings, and I think you're seeing a catch up with this. I four
0: defensemen and two defense pairings.
1: Right. Four. Right. Four defensemen. Letty. Um Letty was with Pulak. And this, is of course, is before uh, Green came here. But it was Letty and Pulak and uh, Taves and Mayfield. And I think it's had a negative effect. I really do. I mean, Devon Taves really strugg- struggled, struggled, struggled. He struggled mightily yesterday. He struggled mightily yesterday. I mean, he he had a he had a really bad game, and he doesn't seem to have the jump in his legs. I'm wondering if he's kind of banged up a little bit. Letty has looked really really bad. Um, Mayfield's looked okay, and so is Pulak. But I mean, I, I just I just think that maybe we got some guys dinged up a little bit and playing those minutes that they're not used to. I just think it's hurting us, and I think we're seeing the same thing in the forward group. Honestly, uh, you're right with uh, the guys that they have. I mean, I don't know what Matt Martin's minutes are, but they're not real high. Um, He's kind of just riding three lines out there. And you can't do that. You know, you might be able to get away with that in the postseason a little bit towards the end of the year, but you can't do that, you know, during the regular season. You just just can't. And I think you're starting to see it catch up with us right now. And, I mean, after the Ottawa game, we're playing some – you know, playoff caliber teams here the rest of the way. And I, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like doom and gloom, like I usually do, but I'm a little bit concerned. I have to say that.
0: No, I understand that. And to speak about Matt Martin's minutes, he's only playing 10 minutes and 38 seconds on average a night. And we compare that to last year, 11 minutes and 26 seconds. So again, not a huge difference, but when you're, when you're talking 50 seconds, 50 seconds more every single game, some other forward has to eat. And no, then yeah. again, we're talking about the people we introduced there, the Wallstroms, the Bellos, and Given. They were, you know, dribs and drabs here and there. But it was over an extended time period because Cal Clutterbuck missed quite a substantial amount of time with that laceration. And now again, Casey Zizekas is going to be out. And we we are seeing the negative ramifications of short shifting forwards when again we're an old team. By every single, uh, I think we're the second or the oldest team in the NHL. Again, things always change. As call ups and you know call downs continue to be uh, free flowing throughout the you know this year and as the year continues, but we are an old team, and asking older players to play more minutes uh, as they get more advanced in their career does not bode well for success. We talked about it, and we're just seeing this right here, and and that's all it is. I I, I won't blame it all on exhaustion, but I mean, this is a self-inflicted wound. <laughs> it's not the schedulers. It's not, um, it's not the fact that, Oh, you know, we've got a few games, we've got three games in five days or, Oh, we're traveling so many times, you know, we're having to play, uh, five games in, in, uh, in seven different nights and we're playing them in, in four different cities. It's nothing to do with that at all. It's the fact that these are all self-inflicted
1: issues. Right. I, exactly. I mean, I just, like I said, I'm I've kind of been a little bit baffled by some of the moves that Barry Trotz has made this year. Um I you know, I mean, I I'm now we're gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna just go right into it. Johnny Boychuk's gonna be out for a while, right? Noah yeah. Dobson has to play. He's gonna have to play on the right side. I mean, so are you gonna have a continuation of Noah Dobson getting 10, 11 minutes a game? Or are you going to just throw him in there now because you have to? I I mean, I just see everybody wearing down. And, you know, for me, I guess I would probably put him, if I'm setting up a defense pairing, I play him with Andy Green and I play him 16, 17 minutes a night. That's what he should have been doing all year. We've talked about it numerous times. Now you have to throw him in there. But I don't know if you heard this. There's a little rumor that perhaps – One of my all-time favorites, Thomas Hickey, might be on the way back up. Yeah,
0: I I want to talk about Johnny Boychuck first off Grumpy Old Man. You mentioned it. Very, very scary what happened last night. Uh, We're recording this podcast here on Wednesday evening, um, Tuesday against the Montreal Canadiens. He took a skate blade to the face, uh, required exactly 90 stitches, they said. Um, No idea how long that's going to take him out for, given it didn't affect his eye, didn't cut his eye in any way, shape, or form. He's got vision still. I mean, that's good. You don't ever want to see a guy have potentially a life-altering injury on the ice. You don't want to see anything like that. Um, but it, it it's good that he's going to be safe and he's going to have a full recovery. Uh, bad right now in the short term for the Islanders because a team that is reluctant to play younger guys and reluctant to go ahead and just throw Noah Dobson to the Wolves and see what he does – it just continues it just continues to affect the entire defensive core instead of one guy where it's no adoption, right? If you put him out there and you play him the extended minutes or the minutes he's supposed to be playing, you potentially hurt that one line. Whoever's defense pairing is no adoption and whoever's out there on the ice with him. But when you continue to play him short in minutes, you hurt every single other defenseman that's out there. And I just not sure how much we've got left in the tank. And it's this is all self inflicted. This could have been avoided if Barry trots again, were to just continue to roll those lines. I'm not saying no adoption should be playing 20 minutes a night, but it's not too far-fetched to think he should have averaged 15, 16 minutes
1: on average. Right, exactly. I mean, and he should have been doing that with the younger forwards as well. That, how do you think these guys learn to play at the NHL level? You let them play in the NHL, especially when you have injuries. You don't shelter them like that. I mean, and TJ, I'm going to give you credit – uh, that's why you're the host because you have such a you had such a smooth segue into the Johnny Boychuk Chuck thing. And I was just ham just ham-handed, just threw it right in there. That's why we keep you around, is for those smooth segues and to, you know, guide the ship, so to speak. Um, but I'm in hundred percent agreement. And you know, I've been preaching it all year. Let the Dobson kid play more than Johnny Boy Chuck. Let him play. 15, 16 minutes a game. So, when come playoff time or an injury, when you need him, he'll be ready to go. And they chose not to do that. And this is what happens. I mean, I hate being right all the time, um, but certainly that's the case this time. But I'm going to tell you what I went out to the store today. Actually, I called up DirecTV and I had them send me two new remote controls because if I see Thomas Hickey on the ice, I'm going to be smashing remote controls. I don't want to see him play. He makes me sick. He always has. I hate that Hickey. You know I've always hated that Hickey. Hickey, Bailey, Nelson, Average, all those guys. Get rid of them. They drive me crazy.
0: Oh, gosh, grumpy old man.
1: <sighs>
0: <sighs> I definitely disagree on Brock Nelson. He's had a good There's season. A
1: shock. There's a shock.
0: He's had a good season, and he's had he's played well ever since Barry Trots has come.
1: He's so played – yeah, he's played his best hockey under Barry Trotz, without a doubt. Um, to me, you know, he's streaky. I mean, I don't know what do he have forty five points in the first month and a half, and he's had seven points since. I don't. I'm exaggerating, of course. Uh, you know, but he's streaky, just like his other pal, uh, Mister 833 game, whatever the heck he, number he's at. Um, you know, you it's just Josh Bailey. I, he, of course, Josh Bailey. Uh, he who should not who he who shall not be named. Uh, Josh Bailey, yes, that's him. Uh, you know, well, I'm not we're not we're not going back into we're not going to examine that again. Just Hickey is one of that bunch that I'd just rather not see.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can understand your sentiment there. And again, to provide a little more context, when teams in general call up young players to join the NHL team. And they call them up most times from their AHL affiliate. They try to immerse them, maybe kind of slowly dip their feet in the water. But after they get to about 10 games, I mean, that's when they're starting to play. The actual lines amount, you know, the actual time the line should be allotted out there on the ice. I mean, I, I, again, I hate to continue harping on it. No adoption, grumpy old man, only averaged 13 minutes in 18 seconds on ice. Yeah. And again, so you're talking about an extra 30 seconds to a minute for every single other defenseman that they had to eat. And when and Johnny Boychuk's numbers were decreasing as well, that's just even more time that the other four defensemen had to carry on their shoulders. For something, again, some defensemen can do that. You've got your Eric Carlson's, you've got certain players who are accustomed to, to being on the ice sometimes 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. But when you don't have defensemen that are accustomed to that, and you just go ahead and try to throw them in the deep end when that's not something they're used to and they don't get the chance to get slowly acclimated to it it's going to have negative ramifications and that's what we've seen um i to to speak on thomas icky grumpy old man i uh, you know i I would rather see a guy like sebastian aho get his chance than thomas icky right and i understand you want you, you're in. You're win. You have to win every single game, or you have to go with the mindset of we need to win every single game, game in and game out. Because we have continued to let that huge lead that we amassed at the beginning of the season slip through our hands. The last ten games were two six and two grumpy old man, not good.
1: Did I not warn you that he was going to slither his way back into the lineup? Did I not warn you two weeks ago? that somehow Thomas Hickey was going to slither his way like a little serpent, a snake, back into the lineup. I knew that that was going to happen. I just, I could feel it. And sure enough, here he is again. Uh, Something else I want to say about the defenseman. You know, you mentioned the fact that, you know, we have had an increase of time. Think about the style that we play also, okay? The style we play, it's not like we're, up the ice in the offensive zone a whole lot. We're back in our own end playing defense most of the time. That's what wears out a defenseman. It's not hanging around at the point while the forwards are uh, you know, going to the corners for pucks or creating plays in the offensive zone. That's not our style. Our style is we're we're pretty much a counterpunch team almost. And those guys are back playing defense, the hard defense along the boards getting hit. That's that's where our defensemen and that's why the minutes are, are adding up and hurting us right now.
0: And even the forwards too. When you're when you're playing that collapsing style defense that we do where you mark your men in the defensive zone, you go ahead and try to force all the shots to the outside in the periphery, so your goalies have a high opportunity to save the shot. You are cons- you are consistently putting forth so much effort in the defensive zone. And we're in the offensive zone. You can have since situations and instances where one guy has the puck and you're slowly moving, kind of you know, just trying to move to the open spot, migrate to where the puck might be able to bounce. If a shot's thrown towards the net, you're not consistently skating and moving your feet trying to cover a man on you. It, it, and you're right, especially for the defenseman. It's a lot easier for the defenseman to go ahead and log 25 minutes a night if they have a lot of offensive zone time. Uh, compared to if they're playing in their own zone all game. So you're right. It's It's a lot more grueling, those minutes, too, when you play the style the Islanders play.
1: I mean, particularly when we're on the power play. I mean, you know, we gave up two shorthanded goals yesterday. Our defensemen have to play – uh it was only
0: one. Oh, I guess it was technically two sh- shorthanded goals because we did yeah. have that empty netter we gave up as well.
1: Yeah. Well, it still counts, still counts. Oh, it's a cheapie, of course. But, I mean, you look at that play, I mean – that was a, just a terrible play by Taves, and I, I think I think I think he's banged up. I'm just going to say that I think he's banged up. He's making some poor decisions. He doesn't seem like he's skating as well. Um, I'll be interested after the season. Maybe we'll hear something about him. It's just it's just not the style of play that he that we're used to seeing from him. So it leads me to think that he's probably banged up a little bit. And it was a little bit of joke about you know the fact that we have to play super tough defensively. When we're on the power play, which yesterday was absolutely abysmal, once again,
0: yeah, the power play's been bad. I mean, and given we did score a goal on the power play yesterday, bringing our total up to three power play goals in the last 14 games. That being said, all, we've also given up two shorthanded goals now over that time period. So, is the power play really that productive for us? Eh, you know, that's 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 to be determined. Um, it definitely was not Scott Gomez's issue. It definitely was the cast and crew we have on the team. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, because we, we didn't change up our power play system all that much from last year to this year. Pretty much the same exact carbon copy. And we've added a few characters as well, right? We've gotten rid of a guy like like Valtteri Philpla who didn't play any power play minutes, brought on a guy like Broussard, who did play some power play minutes and some power play time. That's an upgrade. Then we bring in a guy like Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who's an upgrade as well over the cast and crew. I mean, we're not having to throw out their Cal Clutterbuck on the power play like we did last season. I mean, last year the power play was abysmal. We were using guys like Cal Clutterbuck in capacity saying, you're going to be on our second line on the power play. Yikes. Um, I mean, it's not. it wasn't Scott Gomez I and mean, I was wrong about that. It's the cast and crew we have.
1: That's right, TJ. You were wrong again. That is correct. I'm glad you owned up to it.
0: And I'll say I'm wrong about that every single time because it was true. I was wrong about it.
1: I am glad you mentioned the greatest number 44 in New York sports since Reggie Jackson. I am so glad you brought him up. John Gabriel Prajot, you know, one of my favorites. Uh, but you're right. He He's not a first power play unit guy, really, uh, for a bad team like Ottawa. And I guess for a bad offensive team like us, yes. But on a good team, he's not. Um, and you know, I, I think he's fantastic. I, I like him as a player and I think he's going to be good with, for the Islanders for years to come. I, I like him a lot, but he should not be optimally on your first power play unit. Um, I just, like I said, uh, the thing that frustrates me and continues to frustrate me is management knew this in the off season. They knew it. They said we didn't have enough offense. What did they do? Nothing. I mean, I just, to me, it's just frustrating. Uh, You know, you look at Lou Lamarillo yesterday, kept on, you know, he's just the company line about, you know, we don't put enough skin in the game. That's why we're losing. I don't think
0: that was Barry Trotz, Grunfield, man, not Lou Lamarillo. So Barry Trotz Uh went ahead and said, and I'll read the exact quote. He said, we've dug ourselves a tremendous hole. We have to put more skin in the game. We don't have enough skin in the game. And we can't win at this time of the year unless you're putting more skin in the game to earn points. You got, We got exactly what we deserve today.
1: I'm going to say that he must have been very aggravated to use the skin in the game phrase three times within two sentences. So I think that, you know, once he's a little bit calmer, he'll have different analogies he can throw in there. Besides skin in the game, you know. You know, I could come up with a few, but I'm not going to mention them right now. He'll be able um, to
0: articulate his thoughts. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, he'll he'll articulate a little bit better. But when you use the phrase skin in the game, three times out of 16 words, you're probably a little upset.
0: Yeah, and again, this is not the first time we've heard this or something along this lines from Barry Trotz this season. We've heard multiple times. Players don't want to commit to playing the right way. They're not They're not taking what the opposing team is giving us. We're not doing a good job of exploiting what they're giving us. Opportunities are there. We have certain players not doing this. This is not the first time we've heard this from him,
1: especially this season. This is about the fourth or fifth time we've heard this. And what does that usually turn out? What usually happens when he says things like that? What usually happens? What When he speaks like that after a game, what do we usually see? We usually see number 13 sitting on the bench. What did we see yesterday? Number 13 sitting on the bench. He, I thought he was our best forward yesterday.
0: And so did Butch. And, and maybe, to, again, to kind of interrupt you, grumpy old man, he's been playing a lot of minutes as of late, and that game was gone. We had no chance of winning at all, so maybe they're just trying to give him a little bit of rest to help him get his feet underneath him because we are going to need a Herculean effort out of Matt Barzal and anybody to throw forth a little bit of offensive creativity and just some pizzazz to our game. Because if we don't get that going, man, there's a high possibility we're not making the playoffs.
1: The kid has been doing his part. For his part, he's been doing. he's done all he can do, honestly. You look at the last month, right? They came out. He led the NHL in assists last month. I think he had 13. Led the NHL in assists. I don't know what else he can do. I mean, you know, he said, and how many times is he setting guys up in primo scoring chances and they're just missing the net or, you know, hitting the guy right in the chest or clanging off the post? I mean, it, it's not Matt Barzal, it's the lack of talent around him. Now, one thing I did see yesterday, and I really hope to see it against Ottawa, he put together at the tail end of the second period and early in the third before Matt sat on the bench Barzal, Eberly, and Bavillier that I want to see that line back together tomorrow night. I mean, he right now, it just seems like he's just putting names in a hat and pulling them out. And that's his line combination. Put that line back together. I mean, that that's what I want to see.
0: We've talked about it being a the service to both Matt Barzal and Andrews Lee to pair them up on the same line. Andrews Lee does not mesh well with Matt Barzal. He plays a lot better with a guy like Josh Bailey, um, where it's a little bit more measured. In their movements up and down the ice, where Matt Barzal does a lot better when he's able to free rein, he feels like he could skate as fast as he wants because he knows his other forwards are going to keep up with him and keep stride with him. But when you got a slower guy like Anders Lee who has to get himself positioned in front of the net and try to go ahead and deflect, it completely throws off the rhythm. And yeah. it does I mean Matt Barzal does not mesh well with Anders Lee, and Anders Lee doesn't mesh well with Matt Barzal. We continue to throw those same lines out there. Right, and people were saying once we go ahead and get our third line center, we'll be able to go ahead and restore balance to everything. We'll get Derek Brassard back on the wing, then we could go ahead and get you know uh, we could throw any type of line combination out there. But most importantly, we could be able to take Anders Lee off of Matt Barzal's line. And as of this point right now, we still haven't done it. And you know, since we've acquired John Gabriel Plageau, 0-2 oh, two and two, and he's not at all the reason. And our record hasn't been much better since we've acquired Andy Green. And Andy Green and Jean-Gabriel Pajot are not the issues. They're far from it. I think they're contributing to the team. The Agreed. issues are far deep, more, way more deep-rooted than just those two guys being brought on. But I'll tell you this, Grumpy Old Man. Skipping up a first and a second is starting to look worse and worse every single game.
1: Well, I agree with your points. Um, I would actually wouldn't mind seeing a line with Pajot, Bavillier, and Barzal. They all skate and all move. I mean, that would be that'd be a line I'd I'd want really want to see. Um, the first and second, it was an overpay. I mean, it it was. I mean, it, you can't deny it. And if we don't make the playoffs, it's an even bigger overpay for a third line center. As much as I like uh, JG Puj- Pajot. Uh, you better Yeah, Pujo. Yeah. I got. I yeah. I messed up, TJ. There you go. You can mark it down. I mispronounced his name once. Just um, just be informed that now I'm going to start getting on you whenever you mess up a name, which is I don't know, fifteen or sixteen times in a podcast. Uh, I'm going to make sure I bring that up. Yes, Pajot. Um, It was too much of an overpay for him. Yes, he's going to be with us for the next six years. Yes, is he the type of player I like to see? Does he fit the Islander mold? Yes. Still. It's an it was an overpay. Uh,
0: was he the biggest need for the Islanders going forward? No. No. And that's the biggest point. I have it. I love Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. I think he plays well. I they have nothing against him, but he's not what this team needed. That's the whole point about this.
1: There wasn't there wasn't anything that we could have done at the trade deadline that's right. to, to improve what we needed to improve to the level that we needed to improve it to put us over the top. There just wasn't. We need two scoring wingers. And like I said, I'm going to go back to the comments that Trotz made last week where the first-round picks, you know, almost like he dismissed them. Well, then you know what? You should have went out with a team who was up against the salary cap, Toronto, and go after Mitch Marner hard and make them have to make some really tough cuts or decisions to get him on your team. He would have been fantastic with Matt Barzal those are the type of players you need to put this team forward in the future. Not, and you know, as much as I love Pajot, Matt, Mitch Marner is somebody that we needed. Kasperi Kapanen, another guy that we could have got for a second round tender, really. And those guys, those guys with speed who actually come back and play defense would have fit this team perfectly.
0: Who are young as well. I think that's the most important thing. We're an old team and, We're not winning, and we're in win now mode. So it's scary. It's scary for the Islanders um, tonight, Grumpy Old Man. The Flyers beat the Washington Capitals five to two. Um, I mean, the Flyers have been playing really well as of lately. I know you don't like the 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 Philadelphia Flyers, but they've been playing well.
1: Okay, that's not true. I don't. What did you say? I don't like the Flyers. That's not true. I hate the Flyers. <laughs> I don't just dislike them. I despise them. That's seven wins in a row for them. They're really really hot right now. Uh, you know, they could do some damage in the playoffs. I mean, they're certainly going to make the playoffs. They're going to be one of the top three teams, probably one of the top two in the Metro. Um, But playoffs are a little bit different animal for a team like that. First time getting in a long time, uh, especially with this mix of players that they have. So we'll see what happens. It'll be Carter Hart's first time uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll, You know, but like I said, their future looks bright too. The Columbus Blue Jackets
0: right now are up over the Calgary Flames two to nothing. And remember, Columbus looked like they were imploding. I thought they were definitely in the rut. They were down and out. Well, now, if they beat again, the Calgary Flames are up two nothing, and it's going to go be entering the third period. They're on a two-game winning streak. They're ahead of the Islanders. By the yeah. time the podcast will be released, they will have more points than the Islanders. And given the Islanders will have three games in hand, but With the way the Islanders have been playing, I mean, it's we have a lot of tough games upcoming. The Carolina Panthers are hot on our tail, too. Um, like if you kind of squint at it, yeah, maybe the Rangers are somewhat close. I, you know, with the loss of Chris Kreider, I think that kind of killed their momentum a little bit. But we play the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, twice in this next, um, it's either once or twice in this next 10 game span.
1: Yeah, they're, they're a tough matchup for us. Um, And the Rangers, if they get Shusterkin back, the goalie, I think they'll be better. I think they're too far out. The thing about you're right, you mentioned Columbus. We have three games in hand on them. Uh, It hasn't been a benefit to us, yes, yet having games in hand. Uh, But you have to think at some point it might. Um, So that's kind of where we are. But the fact that we're just struggling to score goals or even, uh, my gosh, even put shots on net. I mean – we we don't shoot the puck we don't get any shots through it just it's tough to win games if you don't put any pu i mean we had a five on three and we did score on the five on three honestly
0: when your team doesn't score on the five on three it's more of a shock than when they do
1: yeah i mean it's but the whole thing is we had the we were possessing the puck for like 35 or 40 45 seconds it wouldn't shoot the puck Shoot the puck. I. Good things happen when you shoot the puck. You get a bounce here or there. Get guys in front of the net. You're going to have to score some dirty goals. You can't be standing on the outsides, you know, hoping to get a pass down low and pop it in. Block that goalie. Put two guys in front of the goalie if you have to. Do something to create some havoc in front of the net because what we're doing ain't working. Do, change it up a little bit. That's what I would do.
0: Well, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule. We alluded to this a few podcasts ago, maybe three or four podcasts ago, grumpy old man, talking about how tough the road was in March and how we needed to capitalize on against a few teams, um, and we had to come, we had to go ahead and start establishing some sort of form and winning streak if we really wanted to go ahead and increase our chances of making the playoffs. Well, this game against Ottawa in Ottawa is a must-win. Yes. If we don't win this game, I don't want to say you write off the rest of the season, but it definitely doesn't bode well. I mean, another five game losing streak. Um, yikes. Because then you launch into the meat of the rest of the year. You play the Carolina Hurricanes, who are competing with you for a wild card spot. That's going to be a home game for us. Then you play the Vancouver Canucks, the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Pittsburgh Penguins all on the road. All on the road, Grumpy Old Man. And you play those teams. You play the Canucks, the Calgary Flames, the Oilers, and the Penguins Tuesday through Sunday. So you play all four of those teams. Again, very good teams. Within Tuesday, you take a Wednesday off. You play Thursday, Friday. Then you take Saturday off, and you play Sunday. So that's you four games in six days.
1: And you got to make that cross-country flight back to Pittsburgh.
0: You want to talk about – the wear and tear on the team, you're going from West Coast and you're traveling, again, West Coast, Canada, up there, and then you're traveling, you know, British Columbia area, and you're traveling back through Pittsburgh. And again, you know, technically, you know, Calgary and Edmonton, yeah, they're still, you know, West Coast teams. But you want to talk about a team feeling tired and fatigued? Those are not teams you want to face on the road. Not at all. And then, you know, we've got a home game against the Calgary Flames – Then we've got another road trip, grumpy old man. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the New Jersey Devils, that's a team we should also beat. And then we play the Carolina Hurricanes again. And we play the hot Philadelphia Flyers. We have a really tough road ahead of us, and we've got some really tough road matchups, grumpy old man. And if there's any time for you to be hitting the panic button, to say, yikes, now is the time.
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to say, you know, the worst thing about – coming off a three game trip to the West coast and up in uh, Western Canada is having to come back to Pittsburgh uh, because that's kind of disastrous. I don't know anyone who wants to go to Pittsburgh after a long road trip to Western Canada. Um, And the devils, you mentioned the devils. I'm going to tell you what they are playing much, much better right now. Um, And you're right, Carolina. Carolina has been a problem for us. Even when we've beaten them, they've outplayed us. Uh, it's not like and we've ever outplayed a, them.
0: You want to talk about two games that are going to have a direct in, uh, in implication on who makes a wild card spot? We play the Carolina Hurricanes twice in the next 10 games. That has a direct indication on who's making the wild card spot or who has a better chance of making the wild card.
1: Yeah. And I just, you know, I hear some fans talking, about, oh, we got injuries. I mean, Who do we really have hurt? Okay. We have Adam Pellicart. Okay. But then you're talking about fourth liners. I mean, if this team can't, can't, you know, manage to muster up a winning record when you're missing a couple of fourth liners, uh, your team's not that good. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, they, you know, they lost Crosby and Dumoulin and uh, somebody else. Uh,
0: Yeah. uh, Gensel.
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, Gensel, Gensel, right. Crosby.
0: I mean, they've lost they've lost a lot of players. And Grumpy Old Man, I don't want to throw you off, but there was a man online who who made a post and I thought it resonated with your point 110%. He said the biggest revelation from the Islanders performance over the past few months is that this team has depth, but also lacks it. If one or two go if one or two guys go down, the whole team falls apart because just about everyone on the team is a depth player. Not talented. It's a fatal flaw.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been saying that for two years, right? I mean, but here's the thing: I don't even think it matters. Our depth players. I think the fact that we're an older team who has to play a, every single game for the last two years is a grind out defensive game. It you just get worn out playing that type of style. I'm sorry, and that's just kind of where we're at. Last year, no injuries. No injuries. We
0: talked about this all off-season long, grumpy old man. People were saying our defense has a better chance. Our defense has a chance to be better than it was last year. There was no way in hell our defense was going to be better than it was last year. We had two goalies posting a save percentage of around a nine-three. We had no injuries on defense, but Thomas Hickey, and he was replaced by Devon which was really an upgrade.
1: It's called addition by subtraction.
0: Yes, it is. And every single time I mention it, it always is that cheap. Cheap, cheap pop, grumpy old man. But right. that's that's exactly what it was. We had no injuries last year. We were an extremely healthy team.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we don't even have a boatload of injuries this year. I mean, could you imagine if Matt Barzal got hurt? Where this team would be offensively? I mean, I, I, you know, I marvel at how many chances he's able to create all on his own where he's given the guys, I mean, just by two or three guys going after him and him hitting a guy in the slot and a guy just missing the net or missing the pass or hitting the goalie right in the handle
0: The pass and it just bounces over his stick, something along those lines where a skilled player is able to go ahead and corral that and put a puck on target. That's right. It's just not, it's just not what we're seeing out of these opportunities that he's creating.
1: Right. And that's why, I mean, I, so, and you know, in the off season, I so desperately wanted Panarin. I thought he would have been just perfect with Barzal or Mitch Marner. I mean, I brought them both up numerous times. That's what this team needs. And it just didn't seem like once we didn't get Panarin, we never had a plan B. And especially when you knew that the team had no offense management knew it, they knew it. And you didn't have a plan B if you didn't get Panarin. That's just short-sighted, and I think you're starting to see the ramifications of that right now.
0: Well, our plan B, grumpy old man, was to go ahead and overpay for our captain, Anders Lee. Um, I, now, oh well, I guess he didn't score that power play goal because it was ruled a kick in. But, he did right. kick
1: it in. He did yeah,
0: kick in. He most certainly did. And did you like the com- Did you like both Brendan and Butch? Oh, I'm not sure if he made a kicking motion. I'm like, my God, it's as clear as day. He kicked the puck in the net. Come on
1: now. Well, I think the Jets signed him to a contract yesterday. <laughs> That's
0: nice. The Jets have a terrible kicking game, so it yeah. wouldn't shock me at all, grumpy old man. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's we're looking at a tough part of the schedule. And that draft pick, if we if we don't make the playoffs, wow. You want to talk about the worst-case scenario. That was the worst-case scenario. We don't make the playoffs. We give up a pick that's, you know, inside the top 13, 14, wherever we're going to place if we don't make the playoffs. For a guy who was going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason.
1: And the whole thing is this is a deep draft. This is a deep draft filled with young offensive players. Those are the guys you don't want to, I, you know, I'm not even going to get into that because I mean, we've already discussed it numerous times. Uh, yes, it was an overpay. Is it a player I like? Yes. Is it going to help us in the long term? Yes. Did we give up too much? Absolutely. Uh, and that's just kind of where we're at. At some point in time, the system is filled with young defensemen. You're going to have to start moving defensemen either on the big league roster or teaming up guys uh, you in the A and to get some more offensive firepower or draft picks, first-round draft picks that I know don't mean anything, according to Barry Trotz. But you're going to need that to get more offensive skill on this team. I mean – that's just the bottom line. Until we do that, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to repeat the same pattern that we've seen the last two years.
0: Yeah, old man. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much else to say about the topic. I don't want to talk too much about, again, the Islanders' chances, the way it's looking. Um, anytime we go through a little bit of a losing lull, um, it's easy to get down on a team. And this isn't just been something that's occurred overnight. This has been something that's kind of kind of been happening and taking place for months now. Um, so these next few games are vitally important, um, Grumpfield, man. So we're going to be releasing this podcast here on Thursday. And that's going to be the day the Islanders play the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. And then on Saturday, the, the Islanders play the Carolina Hurricanes. But it's going to be, mind you, a home game for the New York Islanders. And the Islanders actually, when they play the Carolina Hurricanes twice this year, they're both home matchups. So you want to talk about these next two games are must-win for the Islanders. And I don't use that term a lot, but they're must-win.
1: Yeah, I think that – I mean, I I hate to say because I thought we should have beat Montreal. Um, but we should definitely beat. Should have,
0: I just want some clarification. We should have beat Montreal before the game started, right? Not when the game actually transpired.
1: Oh yeah, no, they outplayed us by a ton. But going into that, that's a team you have to beat. You have to beat the teams that are down in the standings. And we, I just, I just feel bad for the guys, honestly, because I, I don't think there's any quit in this team. I really don't. I just think we're worn out. I just think we're worn out. Uh you know, uh, there's any I mean, I don't know how you come back from that honestly. Um, but I mean that one thing you can say about this team, they don't quit, but they just look like they're they're just physically worn down. And, and a lot
0: and a lot of people online say it looks like the Islanders are quitting. They're not putting the effort in X, Y, and Z. And I, I agree with your sentiment here, Grumpy Old Man. I don't think they're quitting. I just don't think they have it. They don't have it in the tanks right now. You can only give it 110% so many times in a row, so many games in a row, and I think it's just starting to take its toll.
1: Yeah, and as much as I talk smack about, you know, Anders Lee and the guys I rip on, uh, you've never, ever heard me say that they're quitters, ever, not once. And I just think, like I said, I just think they're worn down from playing so much of the grinding hockey that you have to play in this system Where you're playing extra minutes and over a short amount of time, I just think they're just worn out. And I I don't know if we can come back, but we're gonna see what the team is made of for certain in the next week and a half, two weeks. Um, hopefully we come out the other side. That's all I can say. If you want my predictions,
0: I I, think I, I want your predictions, but I first want to say one thing. I touch on it. Lou Lamarillo came out and said, I don't use excuses. People try to say, oh, the injuries, oh, the fatigue. He's like, every team's dealing with that. And I do agree with him there. People who complain about injuries, every single team has injuries. Some teams have injured, better players injured than we are, and they're able to cope with it. And you talk about fatigue. Yeah, again, the fatigue is all self-inflicted. And it's because we got a few players injured. Uh, I don't think Barry Trotz did a good job trying to actually allocate minutes, correct, minutes correctly and given we may have lost a few games early wrong if we gave guys like Noah Dobson more time and Oliver Wallstrom more time when he was on the roster and Otto Koivula more time when he was on the roster and Kiefer Bellows more time when he was on the roster. We may have lost a few games earlier, but we wouldn't be in the situation where we're losing game after game after game and getting dominated right now. We wouldn't be in that situation now.
1: Yeah, that's true. I agree. Um... And with the other teams when they have injuries, and it just comes back to my original point, when you, even if you've lost a Crosby and a Gensel, Pittsburgh still has a lot of talent on that team. And that's why they're able to do the next man up, because they still have high-end talent on that team, where that's not the case with the Islanders. And that's why you're seeing what you're seeing from us. I mean, we have one guy, maybe two with high-end talent on the whole team offensively, and it's it, it doesn't matter. And when everybody, when you don't have everybody else playing that system and that style to the maximum efficiency, it's we're not going to perform really well, and that's just kind of where we're at. And I hate to say it, but it, it just kind of is what it is at this point of the year.
0: Yep, and Matt Grumpy, I do want to go ahead and get your takes. Again, the Ottawa Senators, we play them tomorrow, which will be Thursday, and then the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. What are your takes, Rumpfield man? What do you think?
1: I think we, I think we definitely beat Ottawa. I expect a, a big game for the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson for returning to his, you know, old stomping grounds. I expect a big game from him. Uh, then against the hurricanes, gosh, you know, I mean, they're struggling too. Uh, they're not playing great right now. So I'm going to say that we come away with three points out of four in the next two games. That's what I'm hoping.
0: What you're hoping and what you're thinking. Hopefully. Well, I'm,
1: hoping for, I'm hoping for a sweep, but I, I'm going to say three points out of four, and I could even go to two points out of four, but I'm going to say three.
0: I'm going two points out of four. I think we lose against Ottawa, which I know is a crazy take, and I think we beat the Carolina Hurricanes in overtime.
1: If we lose to Ottawa – I don't know if we beat the Hurricanes on Saturday.
0: I think I think we're gonna have to, we're gonna we're gonna win sooner or later. I just don't think it's against Ottawa. Um I, I don't know why I'm thinking that it's an away game. Um, and I understand Jean-Gabriel Pageot is going home. He's gonna have a little extra fire and pizzazz, but again, he's not the issue on the team.
1: <laughs> he's
0: not the issue we have. Um so I don't know. I just think we lose to Ottawa, and I think we go ahead and beat the Carolina Hurricanes, but in overtime. So we surrender a point to them in the same regard.
1: I'd love to see a line, one of two line combinations tomorrow. I'd love to see – I'd really love to see Barzal, Pajot, and Bavillier on the line. I'd really love to see that. Uh, if not, Bavillier, Barzal, and Eberle. Uh, that's what I'd like to see as a line combination. Uh, just because Anthony moves without the puck uh, so well and Anders Lee just does not i think that creates more opportunities for us and that's what i'd like to see either that or Pajot in there some in some way shape or form i know they want him as a center but i mean even if you have to put Presard at center i mean here's the thing we need to bottom line we don't score we have to do something to put some pucks in the net i mean if you have to put Presard back at center on the third line do it I mean you gotta jump start that first line just has to
0: I don't disagree with you grumpy old man and I second that I'd love to see either of those line combinations out there and I want to see Anders Lee Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey back together they played well all last year in the regular season all year I'd love to see that line back together I think that's the way they thrive and that's gonna go ahead and possibly help those point production
1: Uh I have no problem with that line being back together either.
0: And I want to thank you, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, we're very grateful they allow us to publish this podcast on multiple different platforms, whether you listen to it on SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anything. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you so much to them, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man.
1: Thank you.